Welcome to our worship today from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. Our thanks today go to Jill Myers and Christine Whiteman for our readings, and to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for our hymns. By the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright, who will bear my light to them, whom shall I save?
Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen, Lord, have mercy. The prophet Isaiah tells us to turn to the Lord and he will have mercy, to our God who will richly pardon. And so in this season of Lent, let us ask for God's forgiveness for the things that we've done which we regret, for the ways we've hurt others or damaged God's creation, knowing that God always forgives us. We say together, most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be. That we may do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified. Mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading is taken from Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 17. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. 
Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honour your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour, you shall not covet your neighbour's house, you shall not covet your neighbour's wife or male or female slave, or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm today is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. One day tells its tale to another, and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all lands, and their message to the ends of the world. In the deep has he set a pavilion for the sun, it comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant pr from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offence. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The reading is taken from John 2, verses 13 to 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? 
his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the words I've been very aware of over this last year is the word household. Covid regulations have decreed that there have been things we can only do in household groups. That's been very hard on some who live alone, of course, though it has been possible to form extended households, support bubbles as we've been calling them. It's been equally hard, though, on some who live with others, if there are tensions or abuse within their household. Whatever size and shape the household is, whatever our experience of it, we've been stuck with it. And maybe that's made us notice its blessings and its drawbacks afresh. The effect we have on each other. The connections and disconnections which shape our lives. We've been interconnected in a wider way too. Neighbours have helped one another. Communities have looked out for each other. But we've also had to deal with the dilemmas about how far to curtail individual freedom for the sake of the common good. We've been reminded that none of us can live for ourselves alone. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main, as John Donne put it in the 17th century. In the world of the Bible, people often had to face the same dilemmas that we have. How could they live together as a community? They knew that they couldn't live on their own, but how could they live together? It was a question that was especially pressing for the ex-slaves that Moses had led out of Egypt on their long trek to their new home in the Promised Land. Slavery had shaped their whole lives the way they saw themselves, their dreams and expectations, or rather the lack of them. Because what was the point of dreaming if you were someone else's possession, theirs to do with as they liked? But freedom sometimes felt tougher than they expected, as they trekked around the desert with Moses. Again and again they looked back to Egypt. At least there we had food to eat leeks and garlic and cucumbers and melons. Now there's only manna, they complained. If this is freedom, you can keep it. At least slavery was familiar. Whose household did they belong to now? And what, house, what should that household look like? In our Old Testament reading, we heard the answer to those questions in the shape of the list of rules which we now call the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God, they start. These people belong to God. He was the head of their household. And why? Because I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
That's the household they had been part of, the house of slavery. But now God declares that they will be his household, his family. That's why the Ten Commandments start with God. We're not free-floating individuals, they remind us. We can't be. We depend on one another and on God's good earth and its fruitfulness. Ultimately, therefore, we depend on the God who gave it to us. That's something we're becoming painfully aware of as we see the effects of climate change and ecological devastation. The commandments go on to remind us that God can't be reduced to the size of a convenient idol, that we can kid ourselves we can own or control. We can't treat him or his name as a lucky charm or a magic formula, as if we had the power to make him do our bidding. Keeping the Sabbath day, too, reminds us that we're in God's hands, not he in ours. We can rest because God is in charge, not us. When we know this, the rest of the commandments, those instructions not to murder or steal or commit adultery or bear false witness or covet what is not ours, they fall into place. If we are God's children, members of his household, then so is everyone else, and they deserve to be treated with respect and care. One of the distinctive things about these Jewish commandments was that they applied to everyone equally, rich or poor, powerful or powerless. In the legal systems of many of the nations around Israel, the punishments for murder or stealing or adultery were different for different social classes. A rich man who killed a poor man might have to pay a fine to his family. A poor man who killed a rich man would be executed. In Israel, it wasn't so. There was one law for everyone. Of course, it often didn't work out that way. It often still doesn't. But it was an important principle, and one which is enshrined in our own legal system. So the Ten Commandments aren't just a list of do's and don'ts. They're about identity and belonging. They tell us who we are, because they tell us whose we are and we forget that at our peril. By the time of Jesus, the household of God had built for itself a literal house, the temple in Jerusalem. It was the symbolic centre of their faith and their nation, the place where they came together into God's presence. It should have been the embodiment of that way of life which treated everyone equally. But we're all flawed and fallible, and it's clear from today's Gospel reading that all wasn't well in this particular family home. Biblical scholars argue about what specifically so enraged Jesus as he stormed into the temple with his whip of cords. It may have been the fact that the stalls he overturned had almost certainly been set up in the court of the Gentiles, the only place in the temple which was open to everyone, including those who weren't Jewish. Their place to pray had been stolen from them, they'd been excluded. The selling of animals and the changing of money may also have placed a disproportionate burden on those who had very little, especially if the prices had been hiked and the exchange rate manipulated. The temple was, as Jesus put it, my father's house, a place where God's people, all people, should have been able to feel at home, part of the household, equal members in it, 
But that wasn't so, and Jesus was furious. Whose house was it? Whose household was it for? Did it belong to the temple authorities? Did it belong to the traders? Or did it belong to God, the God who had brought his people out of the houses of slavery, places where people were exploited and where some lives counted while others didn't? This isn't a story about whether it's right to sell things in church. It's a story about what it means to say we are God's people, what kind of household that means we should be building and how we should live in it together. Households, as I said at the start, may come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. They may be wonderful, loving places, or places of struggle and pain, or both at the same time. But these readings remind us that our truest household is the household of God, a household which embraces all humanity, all creation, in which everyone is precious. St Paul said that God is the one from whom every family in heaven and in earth takes its name. God calls us to learn to live as part of his household and to find in it the perfect freedom he wants for us all, which is seen not in rugged independence, go it alone, grab what you can and the devil take the hindmost, but in lives that are shaped by the knowledge that we belong to him, and because of that, we belong to one another too. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, may we recognise you as the head of our households, the one who gives us life and love to share with one another. Help us to see all those around us as fellow children of God, made in your image just as we are. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Loving God, we pray for the household of your church throughout the world, that it might be a place where people can come into your presence, knowing they are welcome. We pray that you will show us where we must repent of attitudes and behaviours which have excluded others, and that you'll help us to grow and change. We pray for those who have the responsibility of guiding and leading others that they might have wisdom and strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we rejoice in the household of your world. We thank you for its bounty and its beauty. And we pray that we might remember that it is your gift and not our possession. We pray that we might put aside the greed and fear which lead us to cling to what we have and grasp at what we don't have, especially in times of trouble and sickness. We pray that we might live generously in faith and trust. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we thank you for the household of the community in which you've placed us. We pray for wisdom for the way ahead as lockdown eases. And we pray especially for our schools, as they welcome back more pupils this week, for a sense of peace as they face the complexities and demands of the coming days. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we thank you for the households of our families and friends, those whom you have given us to love, 
and to be loved by. We pray especially for those who are sick or under strain, for those who are lonely and feel they have no one to care for them. In a moment of silence, we pray for any who are on our hearts today. Give comfort to those who suffer and strength to those who care for them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we thank you for your promise that as we are part of your household on earth, so we shall continue to be part of that household in heaven. We entrust into your keeping all who have died and those who mourn their loss. Surround them with your love and support them in their grief. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we prepare to share the peace now, I invite you to think of someone who you perhaps are separated from at the moment. Might be a member of our congregation at Seal, or a friend or a family member. Maybe there's someone you need to make peace with. This is a good time to think about them too, and to ask God to show you if there's anything you need to do to mend that relationship. Jesus said, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. The peace of the Lord be always with you. So let us pray. In darkness and in light, in trouble and in joy, help us, Heavenly Father, to trust your love to serve your purpose and to praise your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ crucified draw you to himself to find in him a sure ground for faith, a firm support for hope and the assurance of sins forgiven and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.